So uh, I have a word today for you. I have a message today for you. I prayed for you to show up today. I prayed specifically for people that needed to hear this to show up today. And some of you that I haven't seen in a while showed up. So you probably ought to be aware that God might want to say something to you today. Amen. Now, I don't say that because I think I'm a prophet or the son of a prophet. But I think that when you're the pastor, you better be praying for God to give you a message for your people. In fact, the very best definition that I ever heard of preaching came from a fellow uh, preacher boy like me that was going to Southwestern Seminary in Fort Worth back in the day. And uh, I'm sure he's the pastor of some church somewhere these days. I'm not sure where. Um, but the best definition I ever heard of preaching is where the word of God meets the need of the people in the heart of the preacher. So that means I better be aware of what God is saying and I better be aware of what you need. Amen. And then I need to be praying and letting God percolate that. And so uh, in February, when we had really reached uh, a climax of difficulty, um, trouble uh, with the uh, power grid just about going out in Texas, they said that it was like, what did they say? Like we were within four minutes and 37 seconds of the entire power grid failing. And then we in Texas would have been out without power for anywhere from two to four weeks or even months. That's how close it was. And so you guys were sitting in your houses and freezing, literally. And uh, we'd already been through so much difficulty at that point. Um, we had a couple of families that took up the invitation here and came and spent a night or two in our church. I told you all you could do that. Y'all ought to take my texts and pay attention to them, by the way. You know, you get these mass texts and you're like, oh, pastor sends out too many texts. And sometimes they're good and it's like a good thing. You know, you could have come and had a big house party with us here because our power never went out. Our water never went out. Right. And I think that's because the Lord wanted to, you know, make this available to you guys. But we all have been through some difficulty and we talked about that. And at that point, and this has been a couple of months ago now, um, I held my hands out in front of you and I said, I'm just, gonna, I'm just gonna leave this here for you. And I want you to receive it if you can receive it. And what I said was at that point in time, it is done. It's done. The pandemic and all of the trouble that we've been dealing with, it's done. Does that mean we're not going to need to be careful, wash our hands, stay six feet apart, all that other stuff? No. But when you speak by faith, you are saying something that you believe God is saying, and you're going to say it until you see it. Amen? Oh, see, I don't think you understand faith. Yes. You don't understand faith. You say, I'll believe it when I see it. But see, we already learned, friends. We already learned that that's not the case. Because... Our last witness that we covered in here when I was talking about all the witnesses leading up to Easter was Thomas. He's called blank Thomas. What Thomas? And I showed you that he wasn't any more of a doubter than any of the other disciples. He just handled his grief with Jesus differently. He let it shut him down and he let it let it keep him away from church the first weekend. The other disciples, you know, some people when they grieve, when they're having difficulty and trouble, they want to be around other people and some people don't. I'm kind of more like Thomas, honestly. I wouldn't have wanted to be around anybody. I'd be like, just leave me alone. That, that, was, that was terrible. That's, I don't even want to hear it, right? Well, when the women came back from the tomb, repeating what the angels had said, that Jesus had risen, nobody believed. In fact, Mary Magdalene, who repeated exactly what the angels had told her and the other women, didn't believe at that point in time. She didn't believe until she saw Jesus, actually until she heard him. 
When she heard him call her name, then she believed. Peter didn't believe until he saw Jesus. John was the only one who believed when he went in and saw the empty tomb. Thomas was just a little later, right? But he was hurting. But you know what? To his credit, he showed up the next Sunday after Easter Sunday. Jesus showed up in their midst again. Jesus showed him his hand, showed him his side, said, put your finger in here, because that's what Thomas said he would need to do. And before I believe, I'm going to put my finger in the wounds in his hands and put my hand in the wound in his side, then I will believe. Well, he didn't even have to do that. He didn't even have to go that far. He saw Jesus there. And by the way, by the way, each time Jesus appeared, there are the accounts often say, and some doubt it. Jesus shows up in the room in a resurrected body, and the scripture says, and some doubt it. Wow. You see, there's always room for belief, and there's always room for doubt. Well, Jesus showed up, interestingly, Thomas no longer doubted. And as I indicated, I know I'm re-preaching this message, but I, I think there's just a lot of you that are Thomas. I really, really do, because I talk about faith and I get a blank stare, right? We don't understand how it works. And I want you to understand how faith connects you to a living God, how faith is your open ear to God speaking to you personally, directly, and giving you guidance and leadership. Uh, Mary and I were talking earlier this morning, and she was talking about some other folks that she had been speaking to. And, you know, Mary and I talk often. We talk about, you know, what is the Lord leading us to do? And other people are like, yeah, I just wish the Lord would lead me. The Lord is trying to lead you all the time. The question is, are you paying attention? And that's what I have to say to myself all the time. Am I just doing what I want to do, or am I trying to pay attention to what the Lord is saying and doing? Because the Lord is speaking and acting in the world all the time. Amen? See, it takes faith to say that amen. Do you know what amen means in Hebrew? It means that's true. So when you say amen, you're not just saying, oh, that's the preacher told me to say amen. No, you're saying, I believe what you're saying is true. Right? So Thomas makes the greatest confession in the entirety of Scripture. He says to Jesus, my Lord and my God. He wasn't using the Lord's name in vain. He was addressing Jesus as my Lord and my God. And as I indicated to you on Easter Sunday, Jesus didn't commend him for this. Jesus said, you've seen me, and now you believe. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet believe. So this is how I say it. There are people that say seeing is believing. And by the way, we have a lot of babies in the room today, so just deal with it, because we love them. They're going to cry and coo and all those other sorts of things, and we're just going to love on them, right? So there are people that say, when I see it, I'll believe it. That's not faith. It's not faith. That's seeing, right? That means that you trust your own sight. See, Thomas trusted his own sight. He saw Jesus in a resurrected body standing in front of him, and he made a great confession. But Jesus said, you are the ones who are blessed because you don't see with your physical eyes and yet you believe. So here's how faith works. God offers you a word. First of all, that comes from his word. Amen? 
Right? There are people that have weird thoughts in their minds and feelings and they misconstrue that as God speaking to them. And that's not the case. It needs to line up with this. This is God's revealed word. If, if what you think God is telling you to do doesn't line up with this, it's not God. The devil can whisper in your ear too, bud. Your emotions can speak to you, right? The, the advertisement that you, you know, were listening to as you went to sleep last night can speak to you. You say, oh, I think the, I've seen that sign three times. It says, buy a lotto ticket. That must be the Lord. No, that's just wise advertising, right? They just, they place these in different places. And you're like, everywhere I go, I see a sign that says, buy a lottery ticket. That just must be Jesus. It's not. I'm not saying it couldn't be. I mean, I wish it would be that. So, you know, $25.257 million right now in one of those lotteries. Did somebody win it? I don't know. Nobody here. I don't know. I have a ticket for that one in my wallet right now. And no, Jesus didn't tell me to buy it. I bought it and asked Jesus to give it to me because I'm going to do great things for the Lord. And it was only $2, and I had those $2 stuck up in my visor for about a month. And I was like, you know what? i got to do something with these $2. What does $2 buy anymore? You can't even buy a cup of coffee, but you can buy a lotto ticket. But I'm not trying to tell you Jesus told me to buy the lotto ticket, right? Uh, in fact, the Spirit might have actually been pushing against me, and I'm like, come on, Lord. Come on, right? No, Jesus said you're blessed when you believe. And that will result in your seeing. So what does the scriptures teach us in uh, Hebrews 11.1 1, as a definition, if not the definition for faith? Faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. Faith is seeing. Amen? God offers you a word. First of all, in his word, he, I'm going to use an old school phrase here. I told you last week when we were talking about uh, the, the Baylor Bears and Scott Drew using joy, Jesus, others, yourself. That's old. Okay, I was preaching that to teenagers and adults before Scott Drew ever thought about coming to Baylor, probably before he was ever a coach. She's a lot younger than me. I'm old, right? And I learned it from somebody. It's old school. So now I'm going to use a word like that, all right? Well, that's an acronym, but it's the same thing. And it's this word. It's quickening. Do you know what quickening is? Right? It means something that is made to come alive for you. Right? Quickening means uh, uh, that life is, is happening. Right? You, you sense it. It's, it's a movement. Right? So what has to happen is you need to read this expecting God to speak to you. The reason this is boring is because you don't expect God to speak to you. You don't ask God to speak to you. You look at this like it's something that's debatable. You look at this like it's history. You look at this like it's a rule book. You're wrong. I'm sorry. I love you, but you're wrong. That's why you don't get anything out of it. I read not out of this. Now, I love this. this. is my new preacher Bible, by the way. It looks like a preacher Bible, right? It's black. It's flexible. I can wave it around. Still got that shoulder injury that's hurting me. So I need to change hands if I'm going to wave it a lot. But in any event, I read it on my, on my computer a, a great deal. So uh, my computer is sitting right down here. So if I were to do what I would normally do, I'd pop open my laptop 
and I would go to my Logos Bible software, and I have four different lectionaries. I, I had five, but I kind of, I, I nixed one. I'm like, okay, I'm going overboard. Um, but I have four different lectionaries which present scripture, daily readings, and I read all of those, and I'm looking for God to say something to me. I'm looking for God to say something to you. Every single day, that's what I'm doing. And I believe God is speaking. And sometimes I believe God has said things and I've related those and it just falls on deaf ears. You know what I think? I think you need to be careful who you speak to. In particular, I think it, you need to be careful who you speak to when it concerns what you believe God has said to you. Because you don't need somebody who will not agree with your faith. You need people who will receive that word and allow that to be quickened in them as well. Now, if there are people that you trust who are in the word, that you speak what you believe God has said to you, uh, to those people, they can keep you accountable if you have not heard God correctly. Because all of us need to be humble enough to realize that we can hear him wrong. Right? Just because I can be wrong doesn't mean he's wrong. Amen? I can hear it wrong, or I can get it wrong, or I can get the timing wrong. See, that's what happens a lot of times. I get the timing wrong. That's one of the signs of wisdom, by the way. Knowledge is knowing what it is. Wisdom is knowing when it's going to happen, or what to do about it, or when to do something about it. Right? That's wisdom. And God may bring something to your understanding, okay? God told Abraham, you know, you're going to be uh, the father of, of a multitude, right? And your descendants are going to bless the nations. And you're going to inherit this land. Do you know it was Abraham's 100th year on the planet before he even had the child of promise? So he received that word from God at least 25 years before that. And he acted on it. He left uh, Ur of the Chaldees, and he went to the land of Canaan, and he walked around in this land that's inhabited by other people. But he never took part in that. He never was able to see that except through the eyes of faith. But he continued to believe. And of course, it eventually was, because God is not uh, bound by time and space like you and I are. That's why God can speak things that are not yet as though they are. Well, in addition to that, God simply creates, right? Uh, he created the entire universe, ex nihilio, which means out of nothing. So he can take nothing and make something out of it. Amen? Oh, see, I don't, I don't know if you're hearing any of this. I haven't even given you the second word yet, and I'm not sure whether you're ready for it. The first word, it is, it is done, okay? So I haven't been scared of the pandemic anyway. I have continued to pray. I'll wear a mask when, I, when you know, it's uh, prudent and when it is, you know, somehow going to uh, impact other people appropriately or positively and so forth. But I'm not going to wear a mask as a sign of my fear. I'm not going to wear a mask as though it is a talisman that is going to keep the germs off of me. I'm going to do what the Lord leads me to do. I'm going to try to, uh, to be a blessing to people that are around me, all right? And we don't know when, whether, how, you know, all of this spread is happening. But I believe that it is my faith in the great physician that is keeping me well. Amen? 
And that's what you need to believe. This is not a, a, a mask mandate in here, okay? This is simply about me trying to help you to understand that the mask you need around you is the shield of faith. That's what you need. Wear the actual mask too, sure, by all means. I, listen, it's not about that. But that's not what's going to keep you well. The shield of faith will keep you well. And there are, as I've said before, there are plenty of people in this room that have already been through COVID and on the other side. And they had to have that shield of faith to keep them well. Amen. So I, I'd say what I believe. OK, I walk around all the time now. And until I see that everybody else is wearing a mask, I forget we're still in the middle of the pandemic because I just believe it's done. No, I just really believe it's done. I really do not believe that I'm going to get this or I ever will get this. It's done. I believe that. Amen. Amen. See, I don't know if you can receive that or not. If you can, do. But see, that's that was that word is so two months ago. I mean, really, ever since this thing started, the three areas that are supposed to spread the pandemic like wildfire are churches gyms and restaurants guess what as soon as they opened the door i was going to my gym i was going to gloria's every day <laughs> and i would walk in like everybody you know so you walk in with your mask on and you sit down and then you take it off what was that exercise about i don't know and then we're here. And for a short period of time, I requested people to wear masks because our, our, our infections in Texas were going up and the, the governor was requesting it and so forth. I really respect Governor Abbott. I really, really do. If you don't like him, I'm sorry. Um, I think he's a good guy. I think he's trying to do the best job that he can. And even if you don't like him, you should pray for him. Right. But, I, you know, I requested that for a while. And, uh, you know, when uh, and it seemed like it was prudent, then I didn't request that anymore. But we always welcome people to wear your mask or don't wear your mask and whatnot. But see, the reality is, I believe as of two months ago, it's done. But I have believed all along that I'm not going to get this. Just not. I don't receive it. I reject it out of hand. Now, you may have said, well, I did. I tried to believe that and I got it. That was God's will for you. Honestly, those of you, many of those of you that have had it, you experience lighter symptoms than people who get side effects from the shot. Right. <laughs> and I hope, listen, I, I'm not an anti-vaxxer by any wildest stretch of the imagination, man. Get the thing, right? If you're, you know, you're at risk, what did you do it, right? It's okay. It's all good. But I don't want my arm sore for three days, right? I don't want flu-like symptoms. I just, I'm sorry. It's, it's, I'm just weighing it. I'm praying about it. And I'm like, uh, do I want to get sick from a shot that I'm actually going to get? Or do I want to continue to trust the Lord? There may come a day when I go ahead and just go and get the shot. I, I may. I'm still praying. And I'm still open to it. I'm still available to it. But I'm using this as an example because we've been facing this thing for over a year now. And I want you to be able to receive whatever the Lord is speaking to you. So what I've said is, that's not something that I'm going to receive. I'm not going to get this. And what I've said to you, and I believe this is a word for you, if you can receive it, is it is done. Amen. It's done. But that's not the word for today. Just reiterating that one. The word for today, and I still have a few minutes to do this one. I want to open my phone up so I can read this little poem that I wrote. 
I posted it online. If you would read my Facebook, you would get really nifty lines of poems, <laughs> quotes, and stuff. You ready? Are you ready to receive this? Again, I'm just going to hold it out in front of you. Okay? You're going to receive it or you're not. Our time has come. This was my overwhelming sense and impression. And of course, I had to go to the Word. And I'll get a little bit of that in today, I promise you. But this is my overwhelming sense and impression when the two leaders of your church who both went to Baylor University saw their university sports program literally rise from the dead twice and win the NCAA championship and drag a whole lot of Jesus' good name out of the mud that was dragged into the mud by some nefarious characters in the basketball program in 2003 when they hired Scott Drew in the football program up until about 2000. When did they overturn all that and hire the new guy? 15, 16, right around there? Bad stuff, but you know what? I could go into the history of this church. We've been around for a while. Under three different names. Don't worry, we're not going to change the name again. We're done with that. All right? Three's a charm. Isn't that what they say? We started out as City of Refuge. Would you have even come to this church if we were called City of Refuge? Yes, yeah, good. See, y'all are the same type of people that I used to have. And then we became Zion. Uh, it's a great name. It has such an awesome uh, meaning in the Old Testament. And at the time we changed the name to that, it, it, it had a cultural resonance as well. And it's, you know, it's God's people and it's God's city and we want to be God's people. And it's connected to God's promises in the Old Testament. And then I started getting these people, largely old white people like me, walking around saying, uh, what's that? Is that Jewish? Are y'all Jewish? I'm like, I love our Jewish brothers and sisters, but that's not what we are. I asked one guy, well, what do you think it means? He said, I don't know, are you Rastafarian? I was like, Rastafarian? What do you think we're all doing? Smoking ganja in the church building out there? I mean, I like reggae as much as the next guy, but no. So he changes the life well, comes from the same passage of scripture in John chapter four uh, that uh, our original motto came from, spirit and truth. And it means living life well, as in, as in living a good life, the, the life that God has given us, but also the well of life that is dug in us where the Holy Spirit overflows and brings life to other people. And I still believe that because I believe that what we need to do if we're going to change our world is we just need to live the kind of life that they want to live, that they want to see. We need to reflect the light of God. We don't need to be pointing the finger and getting in arguments and telling people how to believe. We need to show them how to believe. Amen? And we need to preach the good news. The good news that Jesus died for your sins, that he was buried, that he rose on the third day, and that he wants to offer you that kind of eternal life, not just everlasting life. You see, some people's lives are so dull, so boring, so troubling, so difficult, they wouldn't want everlasting life because it just means that they're just going to keep on living and living and living and living. And they'd rather just, you know, have a, an end point. 
This is a, a different kind of life. This is a God quality of life that he offers us. That's eternal life, God quality life. He's the author of life. That's what he offers us. That's life well. And I believe that what God is saying to us right now and to God's people that can receive it, but I'm not the preacher for all God's people all over the world. I'm just the preacher for this group. And I did pray for you to show up today. You want to hear something else? I prayed for people who couldn't receive this to just go ahead and stay home. Must be something here for you. Our time has come. That was my overwhelming impression when Baylor won the NCAA National Championship because I see a connection there. Not just between this church, but when you see the leaders of this church who've been through some of those things emotionally and so forth, and I just thought, I just really think that that's a story for us. We've been through some difficulty over the years. And I'm not gonna go back up into that, but we've been through some difficulty over the years. Relational difficulties and financial difficulties and not knowing where we were gonna meet next and all of that sort of stuff. But I believe our time has come. Is there an amen? Amen. This is so you can participate in that. The time for turning has come. The sifting has begun. Left or right may be left out of what God's going about, what he's going about doing in schizophrenic America. It will be a strange and marvelous work where Jesus is central and essential. Abide in Christ and life has potential. Apart from him, we can do nothing. In him, nothing will be impossible. Our time has come. Do you believe, Thomas? So here's some scripture for you. These are all scriptures that I have seen applying, I believe apply to God's people. Um, but in addition to that, I think that God is quickening those scriptures to you sitting in this room. The question is, can you receive this? Can you? Are you capable? Right? This is what Psalm 107.11 says. It says, light dawns for the righteous, gladness for the upright in heart. Psalm 118.24 says, this is the day the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. It's not talking about a 24-hour period. It's talking about where we sit, right? Uh, we, we I, I think that, that Craig would agree with me that uh, when uh, Craig and Rachel's daughter, Jubilee, was born, when they decided to, uh, to give her that name, that there was symbolism in that name that represents more than, oh, that's a nifty name. Let's name our child Jubilee. <laughs> but it represents the year of Jubilee, which, by the way, is more than one year. It's what we've entered into. It's a time of God's favor. Amen. Oh, yeah. That's what the Apostle Paul said in uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 6. He said, today is the day of salvation. Now is the time of God's favor. He said that 2,000 years ago. Can you enter into that? Can you receive that? See, that's the day of salvation that we're supposed to be living in now, but instead we tune into these news sources, right? And you would assume that the world is falling apart. Well, it is, but you and I are not supposed to be of the world. 
we're in the world, but we're not of the world. So it's, it seems like the flags are at half mass permanently now. There's a mass shooting every week now. There's another police officer getting shot or a police officer shooting somebody that they probably shouldn't shoot every week now. If you pay attention to the bad news, you're just going to be depressed and angry all the time. You've got to pay attention to the good news. Amen. And the reason I say our time has come is because I believe what the scripture says in a prophecy in Isaiah chapter 60. It says, rise and shine for your light has come and the glory of the Lord has risen upon you. Though darkness, yes, deep darkness cover the earth, the light of the Lord's glory will shine upon you. You know what we're supposed to be? Reflectors of the light. We're not supposed to be cursing the darkness every five minutes on Facebook. Cursing the darkness is not lighting a candle. It's not bringing any light. And getting angry doesn't change anything either. That produces more heat than light. We need to be bringers and bearers of the light. We need to be reflections of the one who is the light of the world. Amen? Our time has come. Rather than be depressed and think that, you know, the country is, is just never going to recover and this is always going to be bad. No, our time has come. Our time to shine has come. But that's not going to happen as long as you continue to stay in the world. The scripture says that if you love the world or the things in the world, then the love of the Father is not in you. For all that is in the world, the lust of the eyes and the lust of the flesh and the boastful pride of life are not from the Father, but from the world. And the world and its lusts are passing away. But the one who does the will of God lives forever. That's the word of God. Amen. Amen. You are that. If you have faith, if you can receive that, we have to be different. And this is the victory that has overcome the world, even our faith. Greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. Amen? Amen? The darker it gets, the more excited I get. Because that means that even a Christian that doesn't feel like she or he is that good of a Christian, if you'll just let your light shine, you're going to be a guide for other people. I was telling someone this morning, you know, those of you that have some leadership ability, you're going to lead people somewhere. If you don't know where you're going, they're not going to know where they're going. If you're going to a bad place, they're going to follow you to a bad place. But if you lead people to the light, then they can receive that same blessing that you have. That's what we have in store for us. That was what we, we have offered us. Um, I was looking through one of my lectionaries that reminded me of a passage of scripture from Micah. And I would apply this both to Baylor and to this church. Do not rejoice over me, my enemy. Though I have fallen, I will stand up. Though I sit in darkness, the Lord will be my light. Because I have sinned against him, I must endure the Lord's fury until he champions my cause and establishes justice for me. 
He will bring me into the light. I will see his salvation. Then my enemy will see and she will be covered with shame. And the one who said to me, where is the Lord your God? My eyes will look at her in triumph. And at that time, she will be trampled like mud in the streets. A day will come for rebuilding your walls. On that day, your boundary will be extended. On that day, people will come to you from Assyria and the cities of Egypt, and even from Egypt and the Euphrates River, and from the sea to sea and mountain to mountain, because we will rise. And that time has come for us. This is the entirety of that passage that I quoted just a moment ago. Isaiah 60, verses 1 through 5. Arise, shine, for your light has come, and the glory of the Lord rises upon you. See, darkness covers the earth, and thick darkness is over the peoples. But the Lord rises upon you, and his glory appears over you. Nations will come to your light, and kings to the brightness of your dawn. Lift up your eyes and look about you. All assemble and come to you. Your sons come from afar, and your daughters are carried on the hip. And we got three or four of those in here right now, right? Then you will look and be radiant. Your heart will throb and swell with joy. The wealth of the seas will be brought to you. To you, the riches of the nations will come. And we did used to be called Zion, and I marked this passage out as a promise from God a long time ago. This is from Psalm 102, verse 13. You will arise and have compassion on Zion, for it is time to show favor to her. The appointed time has come. Our time has come. Amen? I want you to be in the midst of that. I want you to be in the palm of God's hand when it concerns that. I want you to receive that. But you've got to be in Christ for this to be for you. This isn't just a, a false positive prophecy meant to make you feel good. This is for you if you are in Christ. You know, Jesus died. It was terrible. It was tragic. But on the third day, he rose. Amen. And each of us, I bet virtually everybody in this room, even younger people in this room, have been through a death. The death of your desires. The death of your hopes and your dreams. The death of a relationship. The death of a loved one. But God doesn't leave anything or anyone dead. Amen. Do you understand that? Jesus said, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me will live even though he dies. Did you hear that? You've been through death. But are you in Christ? Are you in Christ? It's not a moral question. It's a faith question. I'm not asking you if you're a perfect moral person. I'm asking you, do you trust that same Jesus who died on the cross and was buried, do you trust him? Then resurrection life is in you. Keep seeking the things that are above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God the Father. Seek the things that are above, not earthly things. For you have died and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. You have died and you have been raised when you are in Christ. So the key is, are you in Christ? Do you trust the Son of God? Have you opened up your life and committed yourself to Him? Have you turned the keys over to Him? Because if you have, you're looking at someone who is absolutely not a perfect moral example standing in front of you. 
And we're not going to get into all my faults and foibles, but I have plenty of them. But I continue to put my faith in a good and loving God. And I continue to persevere in the positive, in hope, because that's just the way the word of God is. You just can't stay down when you've got the resurrection life of Jesus living inside of you. And if my jaw is dragging the ground 24-7, it's because I'm not letting the spirit of the risen Christ well up in me. And that's what I want for you today. Our time has come. And I believe every single person in this room and anybody else who's listening to me has the opportunity by virtue of that to receive this message and get in on that. If you are in need of prayer for anything, um, if you'd like to commit your life to Jesus, that's what I did on Easter Sunday. I came forward in a Baptist church and shook the hand of the guy that I later found out was the youth minister and committed my life to Christ. And I want you to go ahead and reach your faith out. Right? It's just like a hand. I want you to reach your faith out and receive that truth that you're a part of what God is doing because he's doing a mysterious work, a strange work, but he's going to do a great work and he's going to do it.